What up, what up, what up, and welcome to another episode of the Fortnite Podcast. Your host here, Monster D Face, bringing you guys another one. I think this is episode 162, maybe 63. The numbers are starting to slip away from me, guys. I think I'm getting old, but neither here nor there. Today, we get to continue a conversation that we left off with you guys at the last Fortnite Podcast talking about improvements, state of competitive, and also direction of competitive, the direction of competitive that we're starting to head down now. Um, because we're kind of all over the place, and this is the time to start looking at comp holistically because we're in the offseason. We don't know when's the next major besides the single land that is coming up. But with that, let's go ahead and introduce the boys who are returning here today. We got a full house. We got SBG and Life with Panda. We're going to kick it off with Panda first. Panda, my boy, talk to me, man. Hey, listen, it's good to be back. Good to continue the conversation. I, I just want to point out, uh, community sentiment around the last podcast was huge. It was very yeah. positive. Um, a lot of community members that don't always listen to the podcast or maybe not have listened to the podcast, they saw the messaging and they were in there. So it was really cool to see uh, a lot of those community members step in, listen to the podcast. So we appreciate you if you're listening to this part because this is kind of slightly a part two within other stuff that's happened in the last few weeks. So we got to touch on everything. But SPG, man, how you feeling? Oh, I'm doing great. Feels good to be back with the boys. And, you know, just like you guys mentioned, again, I echo that sentiment. And obviously, we we talk a ton about the game, care a lot about the community, whether it be on this podcast or just us three talking by ourselves. We're always trying to figure out what can be done better. So I can't wait to dive in today. Hey, man, we're we're some all-in kind of guys. You know, we, we live and breathe Fortnite. So, yeah. I care. You care, and he cares. So we're all here, and clearly the listeners care as well. Um, like Panda kind of mentioned, yeah, that was that last episode. You know, normally we say tweet us your complaints, concerns, etc. No, we actually got some messages. Like I got some tweets. I, I really did see a lot of the community um come out and I, I guess embrace the idea of us speaking up about um what could be and just kind of hypothetical. So yeah, we are going to continue this, but we have more concrete threads that we're going to be bringing up and more concrete perspectives from other individuals that I hold a lot of respect for. Um, kicking it off with Reno. Reno, for those of you guys that don't know, is the CEO of Becoming Legends. Becoming Legends is primarily an esports org based out of the European uh, region, and they focus on Fortnite. They are expanding, I believe, into Valorant and possibly some other titles soon, which has kind of been hinted at on their socials. But for the most part, they have spent the last, what is it, maybe two, three years or so, fully focused, dialed into the Fortnite space, and they've done it, in my opinion, in the way that orgs should be doing it. Really content-focused, really content-heavy, almost taking a page out of the most successful teams in our industry and kind of replicating that business model. And uh, yeah, Reno's just an awesome guy and has an eye for talent. I mean, you see Cammy, you see Seti, you see all these crazy players. I mean, he discovered Hen, for Christ's sakes, early on. Uh, who turned out to be an exceptional player. So uh, Becoming Legends have really brought up and, and bred some of the best we've seen in this space and continue to see here. Uh, with that being said, uh, SPG, I want you to kind of kick us off with some of the bigger issues and concerns and maybe even some of the, the W's uh, that, that Reno pointed out because he, when he speaks up, doesn't just speak up from a place of toxicity or negativity. He is very constructive, and this is what we love about him because he's truly a leader in our space. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite parts about this thread. So this is from August 1st. Some of the biggest W's and issues with competitive Fortnite. So he's talking about the good and bad, not simply just saying the game's in a terrible spot. So let's start with the good uh, because 
why not? That's always the most fun thing to do. And he provides some suggestions towards the end of this thread, but the good, regardless of what you may feel, the Fortnite competitive team and partners are doing a good job and have improved massively this year. Communication, production, lands, most things a step in the right direction, still more to do, but Big steps being taken. And I'm going to read the second one as well because it kind of goes with it. The really good. Lands and more exposure to each other has brought the Fortnite orgs, pros, casters, content creators, production, and most people closer to the the scene, giving it a real community feel. So, like, all that together is basically saying, I've liked what I've seen on the production side from Epic. I think they're doing a good job so far. Yeah, and, and this is one of the best things to highlight because, like he mentioned, lands returning are one of the best things that the scene can can have to offer. We have this new opportunity for exposure, interaction, and, of course, community building, and that's what we've seen. Look at especially at the EU region in particular. I really do feel like we're seeing somewhat of a... Um, the community really come together. Not only are they obviously competing against one another day, to, day in and day out via scrims and things like that, but hey man they start to meet up they've been meeting up in person like the fact that you see the occasional odd you know archie tweet with whatever other pro he's hanging out with or mr savage just rolling up to have a a day out with you know whatever other person he's kind of hanging out with um over there on the eu region we've really seen some level of camaraderie start to build up within the players and that's what's super cool um and kind of all kicked off with the return of dreamhack and things like that and well the cool thing about Reno and the way he kind of runs his camp here, SBG, he he makes it really, really uh, a statement, or he makes it he makes it clear that it's important to get together, have mini vacations. Like he takes his team out uh, to lodge houses and just hey, sit back. We're gonna do like hot tub all weekend long. Like we're just gonna kick it. Like really prioritizes mental health and again, just being human, being kids, right? Kind of embracing that for the for the players. Yeah, that's the important thing to realize is during COVID and as soon as it became like reasonable, Reno was the first team that was bringing players together. It wasn't simply just the Become Legends players. He was focusing on boot camps, bringing in players from other teams, players' teammates, because in Fortnite, not everyone's on the same org. So that was a a pure focus for him. And for him to recognize that this past year has been a lot better from what we've seen, the media days, the content, the lands. I mean, it's true. Even from my perspective, it feels much more like a community getting to put faces to faces as opposed to everything being online. And not only that, it just shows us, dude, there's there's potential here. There's potential to do more. And there's this, this level of, uh, I would say, vision that's in front of us. Like, hey, what this could be is kind of all written right there. And you, we're, we're starting to see the rekindling of what was the the flame that was starting to dim away for competitive because dude the pandemic right everyone shutting down shop and the lack of in-person events etc i mean that momentum started off i would say pretty pretty decently like we kind of skyrocketed there was events kicking off left and right and i think everyone was super cool with the idea of being able to compete and get covered from home for a while but that only lasts oh so long um and it was pretty clear by the end of year one People were ready by the end of year two and everyone else going online. Epic was still waiting is kind of out wait, weathering the storm. It began to, it began to be, become more of a frustration for the players. They, they wanted more. Uh, so, so we're finally starting to get there. 
And I think that leads perfectly into the next point is the mixed. He says FNCS is fantastic for orgs and players. The interest just isn't there. And he goes on to elaborate, says it's the summer. We're seeing a big decline in social activity. Kids don't sit inside and binge content as they do during colder months. So that is like one of the big things from an org side. FNCS has been awesome. It's been a regular competition, but from an interest perspective, I think that online perspective has started to dwindle in that interest. And that's the next piece, which I, I think we segued into perf perfectly. Yeah. So look, I think overall uh, there, there's, there's some pros and cons to this argument, right? I think Twitch and, and viewership across the board has gone down considerably. I agree. Uh, as we, as we exit the, the pandemic and, and we, we see kind of what the other side looks like. I think we were very used to inflated numbers. And when I say inflated numbers, I'm not saying they're fake people, right? They're real people, but they had more time to pay attention to this stuff. I don't think that colder months will automatically create a shift in higher viewership. I think the viewership that we see now is going to be pretty relative. If not, I'm, I could see a little bit more of a shift, but I don't think it's going to be massive. Number two, the Invitational will be the test, the test of viewership across the board. I think um, it's the first in-person in event back. We saw Gamers 8 host uh, an in-person event, and that viewership with maybe not necessarily as strong as observing as we have with a, a standard FNCS had higher viewership than the FNCS finals. So that I think that that in-person aspect is going to be the make or break if the invitational is done correctly. I do want to say though, like, and this is this is no shot at ESL Gamers A or any of the organizations organizations behind that, but it is very easy to embed views via websites, uh, and you'll see that happen on like third party tournaments and stuff like that. So I don't I don't really want to measure the success of the Gamers A tournament by the viewership. Uh, I want to measure the success of the Gamers Eight tournament via the player sentiment. The happier the players are, the more likely they are to create content. The more likely we are to continue to gain exposure. The more likely we are to grow the scene as a whole. Um, so yes, it was a success in my book from that perspective, but not because the numbers were bigger than FNCS. If FNCS wanted huge numbers, they would just tell Twitch, put them on the front page, and they would embed the traffic that they generate through what their websites literally directly to the number that is displayed on any of the platforms whether that be youtube the youtube output the twitch output TikTok, wherever they want it so like the the idea of numbers is kind of arbitrary to me because it can be manipulated um and that's what most like gamers a saudi events and stuff will do because they have so many sponsors behind it they really do have to manipulate those numbers to the best of their capabilities so um i kind of i kind of want to throw that one out there and I do want to also say that I agree with you that I think the numbers for the Raleigh event are going to determine whether or not Epic continues to invest in esports uh, on a competitive level at a land level, um, at a large scale land level. Let's talk about, and this is a little bit of a, of a I guess, deterring off the path here, but just a little bit. I just want to touch about this. The ticket sales. Pre-sale opened up, <laughs> you were able to sign up, and then some people, right, many people, not some, many people got put on a wait list. Let's talk mm -hmm. about that for a second. That tells us, and again, this could be all BS, right? There could be kids. There's probably plenty of kids making sign-up portals, so they have to filter through all the 
you know, the additionals. But it tells us there's a lot of people that said, hey, I want to go to this Raleigh event. That's a good thing for us. Well, let me give the full context of that, too. So um, not only did we have to pre-register, we had no indication of what the price was going to be before the pre-registration opened, right? Uh, or, or before um, the, the ticket sales for, for the pre-registered people opened. We didn't know what the prices were going to be. Number two, we also didn't know how the seating was going to look. And even when um, the initial launch took place, there was no seating chart. Now, since then, um, Ticketmaster has updated. There is a, a general seating chart. It's not really much, to be honest. It literally just says stage. Then right above it is A, and then above that is B and C. There's three different categories. Uh, C is $27 a ticket. B, I believe, is like $45 a ticket. And then A is $72. But as of recording this here, September 6th, A is sold out. So no one's getting into A unless you already have the tickets or you pay a resale price, which I've already seen some retail prices uh, looking between $150 and $300 a ticket. So wow. Um, so the upsell. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. And and so I'm curious if that's going to last because I just don't see people paying that. Like we went to World Cup and paid like 50 bucks a ticket, right? Right. Like you, you now we're at the FNCS Invitational, which is way smaller scale. It's in Raleigh, so it's not in a major hub. Like I just don't see people paying as much, but I could be wrong, right? But we'll, we'll see how it continues to play out. But the, the most interesting part before I throw it to SVG is that you, when, with the pre-registration, right, a lot of people got waitlisted. A lot of those people, including myself, wow. Jacob PR, Clay Staling, like a, a lot of the casting team who needed to buy tickets to be there, right? If if for whatever reason we don't get to work it, which obviously we don't know yet, um, if if we had, kind of had to find different avenues, like SBG, fortunately he did get uh, picked for pre-registration. My wife was picked for pre-registration. So that kind of worked out in my favor, but uh, imagine uh, I didn't, let's just say I didn't have a wife, right. Or I didn't tell her to sign up. Like I wouldn't have tickets to go to the invitational. I got you, bro. I would have bought you <laughs> tickets. I know you would have. We know that. Nah, you didn't pay off the right people. Like I was sliding hundreds under people's doors, like Alabama football players. Um, <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. I did not do that. No, nah, I got lucky, and I bought some other people tickets, able to hook people up, which was nice. But it, it was like a very un formal process of knowing how much tickets are going to be knowing what you're paying for because like panda mentioned for the first 30 45 minutes which is essentially when most of the tickets were bought in you you didn't know what you were even paying for because section a b and c the only difference it is that letter it didn't tell you any description of what was going on the price was different and you were just trying to figure out why i'm paying for more and like what that's going to be Granted, I bought Section B because I had no idea. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go right in the middle, and I'm cheap, so that worked out well. <laughs> and I'm cheap. <laughs> but, yeah, it, uh, and then going back to uh, Reno's point real quick, if we knew the Invitational was the culmination of FNCS, right? Like, if we had this whole year wrapped up and communicated at the beginning of it, I think FNCS would have been a ton more interesting than what we had but as opposed to and we, we talked about this last time so i don't want to yeah. continue to dig into it but 
it it now is interesting and it could have been had we known everything at the end of the year and that's perfect because reno's fifth point was part of the bad right we start getting into what he thinks is a negative point from epic from competitive and the the perspective or the journey that um comp has kind of been going down and one of those things is saying he is he starts it off by saying okay dot dot so he's really trying to say all right take a deep breath here all right and he goes uh he goes in to say he uh, first off thinks there's a huge lack of publication for Fortnite. No mainstream esports or media publications take it seriously. So you will extremely and rarely see any articles about it. But also, that's partly due to Fortnite, due to Epic. Like you said, SBG, had they just came out from the beginning and put more stakes on the FNCS and put more um, attention towards what was going to be this end of year big event. I know there's so many hur uh, hurdles and hoops you got to go through to get it approved. But like... This should have been something that was planned for well in advance. All of that is marketing. All of that is headline worthy. All of that creates this huge, massive story. And like you said, interest in the FNCS that will directly pump up interest for what would be the big land end of year, which we should always have for like, like something to look forward to like that. And someone that's written articles about FNCS and competitive for large publications for years and multiple different websites there is zero interest. Yeah. I've been told to stop writing those articles because no one reads them. So there there was, I mean, people like uh, MJP still did that kind of stuff. But the unfortunate thing is if you don't have a big name, you don't have something on there, the Fortnite audience isn't reading what happened in this previous FNCS. They don't care. It's all about streamer news. It's how to do whatever challenge in the game like those are the things within Fortnite that get views um and inherently because no one reads the competitive side they've all stopped publishing those kind of content so that, that's like i i see what he's saying here reno that is i don't agree that it's lacking it's been tried it's not been consumed yeah that, that is very interesting yeah. that the the numbers are there and i mean yeah if the these businesses run on clicks, it's point blank. So if the Fortnite audience is not clicking their articles uh, because of their they're covering actual substantial competitive content, um, I mean, there's no reason to put the resources in there. So, I mean, Panda, you know, you know what it's like to do business, and you've been behind a lot of these more corporate entities, if you will. <laughs> if if yeah. the numbers don't make sense, they just don't make sense. Well, and I can give you some context too, like. A lot of people don't realize how blogs and, and these news sites work or function. And, and realistically, they function completely off the ads that are placed onto the articles, right? So when a, an article gets like 10,000 plus views, they could be making thousands of dollars yeah, just through the ads running on the page because you went to go read the article. And, and that's why it's, it's actually one of the best uh, avenues as far as like, ad traffic goes because you're making so much money off ads it's it's actually pretty awesome if you do it correctly but the problem is when when somebody's not digesting a topic like competitive fortnite it becomes a problem and and i think that feeds into a lot of the stuff we talked about last week with uh fortnite themselves huge opportunity for them to step up create content around these players create excitement around these players and um i think the more that happens the more we have these in-person events and stuff the more we'll see growth there uh, but right now, I just don't see it. Yeah, and it will continue to be that way until someone does something different that draws people in. And I, I think this is kind of like goes to the sixth tweet here from Reno is most of the con 
comp interest is endemic, meaning people that already follow competitive Fortnite. And the lap, lack of publications and outside hype creates a challenge to create exposure to new audiences, which is 1,000% true. You think about the average esports fan. They go on to their favorite news media site to see what's going on today. There's nothing really about any competitive Fortnite, so how are they ever going to know what's going on there? And then it creates this perpetual snowball where we aren't necessarily bringing in new fans besides, I don't even know where, like the new collaborations, I guess, would bring people in or like different kinds of content being put out would bring people in or stumbling upon someone's YouTube channel that then pushes them to comp Fortnite is kind of where i see it yeah and, and i agree with you right we want to find the most effective ways to bring people from outside the fortnite ecosystem or maybe that is kind of on the borderline of like hey is how, how cool is comp is it something i want to pay attention to because clearly fortnite has a lot of fans at a casual level and it's also very clear that fortnite draws in new users that's not a, a that's not some made-up fact it's a true fact mm. they do it via collaborations with Dragon Ball Z with Naruto with freaking Halo with you know like all these different IPs Star Wars Marvel the entire Marvel IP brand all these different entities they know how to bring people draw people into the game that unfortunately goes as far as selling skins and the casual experiences why is it and and I guess we'll never know this answer today but mm -hmm. why is it that Epic does not double down on esports organizations it is quite literally in parallel the same uh marketing technique but for competitive audiences right the same way you go pair up with dragon ball z to get anime fans that love gaming to come play the game you pair up with becoming legends to get becoming legend fans from their other games ips titles fandom to come check out their competitive um endeavors right and it goes like that for all esports orgs um, and unfortunately, Fortnite is one of the few orgs that doesn't quite have that level of interaction or connectivity with organizations in a space or competitive. And that is why Reno says that his biggest challenge is this one, that there is no org presence in Fortnite. He's always believed and still believes that players and organizations are the key to unlocking the potential of competitive Fortnite. And he imagines out a scenario, which we'll jump into shortly, but it's true, right? The same way you can grow the casual fan base and audience via cool collaborations. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer that that's how you grow comp too. Like, you need to get comp audience involved. Yeah, I, I think um, it it's such a intricate topic, and there's so many things that I think have to be done, but they're, they're just not doing it. Because to say that Fortnite is dead is, like, such a ridiculous statement because the player base continues to grow and we see it through Fortnite tracker and everything else when it comes to the more casual events even the zero build events are starting to uh, get a lot of traction right i think it, it really boils down to uh, either Fortnite supports the orgs and the orgs start creating uh, true content around the players creating excitement to see them compete or we watch a lot of disconnect continue to happen or I guess Fortnite could technically create content. But I, if you think about it, it's much easier. Just give some money to top-tier orgs, let them do their thing, and hope for the best. Oh, give some money to Panda. Let him make some content. Oh, my. Listen. I, <laughs> I, he was I waiting for you to say that. I was ready. Uh, dude, <laughs> I have so, like, 
low key, I could be a content manager for Fortnite. Like, just hire me, right? Give me one year, and I will turn around Fortnite content as we know it. I'm just saying. And Panda will also blow a hole in the budget, guys. Just also saying. <laughs> okay, but you know what? You got to spend money to make money, people. Like It's true. It is so true. Uh, talking about money, revenue. Uh, Reynold jumps into his revenue ideas and, and how he believes a positive scenario, an equally beneficial scenario between org and devs of Fortnite could work out. He says re revenue share models could work as following. Orgs with big communities can promote competitive. He says, as an example, jerseys, backblings in the game. And he, he actually mentions Team Power because the Team Power has a backbling in the game. And this is one of those interesting situations where Lachlan, who owns Team Power, is one of the biggest creators in Fortnite. So he has a little bit of bias and maybe there's more of a reason for Epic to support Team Power and Lachlan in this particular way. But all Reno says is it went extremely well. And that could be the case for maybe other organizations. And I mean, I kind of agree, but if you're Epic, maybe their perspective is more like, why should we help you get bigger? Because maybe they just feel like they have more to offer an organization. And I, I feel like from Fortnite's perspective, it's like, why does the orgs within the scene deserve that, right? right. There's been way too many terrible examples of orgs where you find out everything looks good, a couple months later, this person was doing some absurd thing, maybe illegal, and the org falls apart. And I think the risk there is why we haven't seen Fortnite dive into that. Although there are definitely some great examples, Become Legends being one of them, that please just give them something. Yeah. They have worked so hard and built the best stories of like an org fandom perspective compared to anyone else in the scene. So I'm 100% with Reno. Like that should be something, whether it be a couple of orgs at first and then create like a pathway, almost like a application to get there. And then boom, now we start seeing more and more and more. And then that investment continues into Fortnite from the org side. Or even in-game supported tournaments, right? Because you know, they're going to, capture the content anyways from their studio and stuff so why not get that entire journey down and build content alongside the players there's a lot of ways that they can work collaboratively but yeah reno points out this a version just being jerseys or in-game backbling easy sell there he jumps into another yeah. one he says that fortnite could potentially buy content from orgs and that's probably what he would love because he makes some oh, of the yeah. best content yes buy that content air it on their their main show or promote it through their competitive avenues there's a lot of ways that they can do it um, he, he kind of uses the word stories. So the competitive stories that emphasize the players and their history. He says that they can basically go ahead and co-promote it, use it for a narrative in the game. And if orgs don't have the production capacity, that it can be coordinated. He says that you can start with six to eight orgs, then scale it up. And the reason he knows it can be coordinated because he has literally built it over the last couple of years. So it's not impossible. All he has to do, all Epic has to do, Hey, Reno, who do you source there in EU? Can we get that same crew to go source it? You know, bam, 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 connect the dots. It, it's really that yeah. easy. It's not like, you know, these guys are doing some some voodoo magic or some proprietary recording technology. No, these are just great film crews capturing cool stories and boarding it all together, Panda. Yeah, it is. And it's like you have two options. You either do it in-house or you put it out there externally. Either way, I... I 
I would love to see it happen. However, one little defense there, and I'm not going to say too much, but we may see Fortnite start to support more creators in the future, especially from the talent perspective. So I know from there's been some like like with the watch party for example they supported the watch party right they hosted mm -hmm. it they retweeted stuff and they there seems to be a willingness from epic to do that more we'll see to what extent right the more we create content and we push it in front of them to to see if they will retweet or whatever the case may be but i mean that's a huge step in the right direction at least from the talent perspective i feel like that's something they want to do but there isn't that's not no one person's job to like find stand-up content and and make the conscious effort from Epic side to yeah. make sure the content is heard, make sure this reaches new audience and things like that. You know, the only reason someone like myself, yourself, or whomever, we're really plugged in. We're 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 at the vein of the source, right? Like so, mm -hmm. we we kind of get to be that uh, mouthpiece for ourselves, but like an organization, a player or um, org owner, someone like Reno, for example, it's not quite there. He's maybe not as close to the source. And yeah, that's why he's kind of speaking from this outside perspective. But he jumps in to kind of defend his topic. He says, with these things, with the Fortnite uh, buying the content, with uh, potential collaborations and jersey offerings and things like that, he says, now that you they can suddenly have more reach, they can reach new audiences, especially through these tier one, tier two audiences who uh, already have Fortnite fans right as well as content that um they can start to get it to reach to um and and don't forget most orgs have fans and players outside of the fortnite community that are just quite literally unit like universal fans to the brand that is the organization just look at any diehard tsm hundred thieves cloud nine there's a reason these names ring bells there's a reason why content creators no matter across any title would love to be signed to these orgs because they have this this inherent fandom that they've built up through um, through the years, and it's cool because he he recognizes that and he's someone who's building a successful org and he sees that through the fandom. Um, so for it to not be tapped into is one that he knows is lost value, and it's a lot of lost value, and it's value our competitive scene needs pretty desperately. Like we said, the scene has only gone slower or grown slower and slower to the point to now. It's arguably declining, and if you're not growing, you are dying, and that's kind of the uh, the play on um, on words there. And one thing we need to be careful about is, while it may look like on the surface all the orgs are doing amazingly well, there are some rumblings that there's not they're on a timeline. Yeah, they're not all orgs are as good as they appear on the outside as far as financing and different things like that. And if we lose a lot of that financial backbone that supports the professional players, it could become a massive issue to have the top tier talents stay within Fortnite if they can't get that financial support. Yeah, like imagine, yeah. like Cam is a great example right now. He was on PSGTNA, now a free agent. Uh, on the surface level, it might look like TNA and the, the collaboration with PSG is like, hey, they're making big moves, but like, Where's the return of investment for that entire partnership that they did? I don't see big announcements. I don't see them being backed by, I don't know, Adidas or Polo, the way G2 is backed in other games, and they do these massive cross-advertisement collaborations and stuff. A lot of these orgs are not there. The funding is 
probably running dry. Actually, no, it is running dry. Let's be honest yeah. here. We have not seen any big injections. We have not seen any big new esports orgs, especially in the Fortnite space, come up, hop in. Nothing credible, if you will. Um, the last good team we saw enter in was Team Dignitas. And yeah, they picked up a star-studded roster and they're seemingly doing good. They're growing and stuff like that. But how far is that going to go? Like, we don't have the small orgs coming in we don't have the new tnas or what was once the rbks or you know like all these all these orgs that that were once filling and popping in and trying to do something cool elite yeah. right like a lot of them have really began to downsize and continue to fade out of the uh of the of the spotlight and i brought up cam for a reason because he's a free agent now he did not resign the tna tells me mm -hmm. he feels like he's worth more they probably weren't able to accommodate for that or they just weren't going to resign him because they're not getting the value. Either way, he's a free agent. There's no one here to pick him up. Like, who's going to sign him? That's the biggest thing about the Fortnite scene, specifically with the orgs, because it's very hard to get value out of the players because, number one, the players aren't creating content. Um, and number two, like, these orgs aren't getting supported by the game, the title itself. So, I mean, even Dignitas, you brought them up, right? Like when they when they announced that they were coming to Fortnite, I think it was like April, May, they like got like twelve K view or twelve K followers on Twitter overnight, like twelve and a half K. And now they're at thirteen point two K. So you see how little growth they've actually had since their announcement. And obviously a lot of that growth there initially is because they have powerhouse players like Duke, Miro, um, what is it, P God. So the, these are some of the biggest players in the in the scene and if they can only get you 13.2k followers it's it's a very big sign that like either a orgs aren't really respected or b like fortnite orgs just don't know how to truly monetize and dignitas is a huge brand right it's one of the biggest orgs in in other esports but i don't think they know how to handle it when they don't get the the title support like other the other games do yeah it's completely different than what we've seen in any other uh esport i mean just look at it you don't have to be on the same organization to compete together name another esport i mean apex legends kind of now because nick Merckx is playing with a g2 player but nonetheless that is the only other example i can think of every other team has like a roster that they've signed competing together and i, I think that's for good and worse. And I think Reno is trying to finally say like, all right, we've done this for long enough. Like let's begin to get this org support and let, let's get this support back and forth. Like let us help you, you help us. That way we can sustain this ecosystem and not only sustain, but make it so much better in the long term. And, and we have to view this to me. I mean, it, it's, it's a cry for help. It, it's a, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a continued outcries of, Hey, you know we can only do this for so long here's another game plan and he comes up with different creative ways it's not like he you know throws he's not throwing the same dart at this wall no he's throwing different darts man he's trying to find the bullseye which one is epic gonna you know bite onto latch onto and they continue to innovate and try different approaches and yeah i'm even afraid for the his the, the future of what will become becoming legends and the org themselves granted again they have a great following and their youtube content creates some videos and stuff so it's not like they're completely not making some kind of funds you know they have uh, merch as well that they leverage and try to sell and things like that so we know they're growing um or we know they're making some kind of monetary return but 
not not a big one. Probably not one that offsets all the expenses of their full-on production uh, team that they put in place, the rental facilities and the partnerships that they're working on there. Um, and again, not to mention, of course, those player salaries, which you have to assume they're paying these players something. I don't see becoming mm -hmm. legends, Mr. Savage joining them for no reason, right? Uh, at least pays him some dollar because he brings value in. So um, let's jump into some more of the other stuff. Or was that the last one? Hold up. I lost a, I lost the thread here as I was reading Dignitas. Go ahead, SPG. I dash you. One thing, because he just continues to mention about like how all this stuff would bring together the audience, and ultimately he believes in six months to a year we can have 100K viewers create that fandom. Um, and he says, I'm not even talking about formats, meta, anything within the game. Like These are just things that can be done. Uh, and the last piece that it looks like he tweeted out later and it was like, most T1 orgs have big name players on their roster, but don't care about Fortnite. It's just to cater to the younger audience and push products or increase social numbers. They will not lift a finger for Fortnite until Epic does it for them, which I think makes a lot of sense. I mean, look at someone like TSM. They have some of the biggest name Fortnite players and you go to their Twitter. What, when do you see that kind of content coming out? NRG is a slightly different example because Bucky clicks. They are some of the biggest creators, not just like pro players, but a, a Falcons. I mean, that, you don't really see a ton of content coming out from their players and they might have the best roster in all of Fortnite. Yeah. yeah. I think um, NRG is the only like org in the Fortnite space that is successful like and and i'm not taking digs at anybody like tna or any of that like don't get me wrong um but no one has has figured out content and building around their players like nrg has at least in fortnite other than become legends to be clear because well to, again, to be fair to be fair nrg has the money and the resources mm -hmm. to, to sign the the most successful and biggest Again, arguably friend group. That's what they did. They yeah. signed a mini friend group. So it kind of works. It house feeds, and it feeds off each other. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have a, a castle, but that castle's for like a bunch of things. And they have the sponsor that's, you know, Hot Pockets in there. And, you know, it's all kind of paid for. Um, then you have like Aussie Antics. They were extremely smart in sniping up the man who just works so hard. They're going to get their... Aussie Antics alone probably carries his entire Fortnite category NRG Fortnite deliverable for live streaming hours in the month. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure if Bucky decided to not, like, for example, Zate, who's probably still on NRG, the reason he can stay on NRG is because Aussie's putting in enough hours to cover Zate's requirement. I'm telling you, it, there makes no other sense as to why they just be kind of okay with it. They're clearly exceeding the uh baseline expectations needed to keep these players on the roster it's probably due to aussie antics the man's numbers are insane the watch time the hours the time he puts in and he yeah is... go ahead panda oh, i was about to say yeah i mean aussie is one that in the past like i haven't necessarily agreed with everything that he's said and done in certain situations right but you can't deny that the man works hard and is it is a huge value to any brand that picks him up. So energy was very smart, especially in the timing, to pick him up. And, and it like one there was one note there before about like oh we can get viewership 
like Reno said, we can get viewership back to 100K. And I just thought about it and I don't want to lose this point. Um, I'm going to be honest. Who's to say that we don't have 100K viewers in a Fortnite broadcast? The reason I say that is I think they never say it publicly, not even to us, right, behind the scenes. But we don't know how many people watch in Legends Landing. And I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a player that's like, I've seen your face before. It was in the game. Or I, I, I've like, inter like, I have friends that don't watch the Twitch broadcast. They'd rather, they're like in Fortnite and they're like, oh, let's just go to Legends Landing and watch. And every time they load into a Legends Landing lobby, it's packed. So I agree with you, by the way. And that's I'm, what I said. That's what I said. Like, don't, like the, the stream numbers, all that. Those are those are like raw like numbers like raw yeah. Twitch people coming in, like if they put the embedded views and directed it to any platform they wanted, those numbers are probably pretty gross. Like they have to be, they got to be pretty nice. Like yeah, and by nice I mean like at least triple or double what we see today. Ten to twenty k is what we see today on the FNCS broadcast. I'm thinking it could easily double or triple down. Also, let's not forget one of the coolest things that Fortnite has yet to actually leverage is the drops system. They have taken such a huge step back on skins and drops that can happen on, on Twitch and the channels and the lives. If they go back to dropping full skins, if they even implement something the way Rocket League does, which Rocket League is another Epic Games title, so the formula is there. Rocket League, if you watch a broadcast, you can get any one skin that exists in the game at random watching the show so imagine if they did that you tune in you get any one skin at random maybe not the collaboration ones the ip ones like star wars etc but dude you're gonna have all the bots all the afkers all that so like <laughs> getting numbers is it's really not that hard i think they know that but why they haven't quite capitalized on all the ways to get the numbers to create the community perception to you know create the buzz Maybe they're just waiting for it. Maybe they're just waiting for lands and to figure out the formula. And they say, all right, we could do this safely. We could do this correctly. We could pack out arena, bring the numbers, turn them on. That's all they got to do It's literally turn them on. If you ask yeah, me, at least. I don't think they're going to do it. And, and look. I'm just saying. I know. I, I know it's there. That's all I'm saying. The, the possibilities are there. But, like, I just don't think that Fortnite wants to um, – and probably in their eyes, I'm not saying anybody said this, but that they don't want to artificially inflate the way that it looks and similar to yeah, what other every, titles do. Every but, title does it, and that's why you get the comparisons and the conversations. And that's the problem, every title right? does it. And we talked about it last week. I said, um, or one of the things we said was effective drops and effective like um, marketing towards this new audience is imperative, right? Because... Not only does a drop work in a way that it pulls a viewer, pulls somebody to you, but it gives you the opportunity to now sell what is new about your broadcast. Maybe something they haven't seen before in other broadcasts. It gives you that opportunity to sell to them and hook them in and keep them engaged, right? And, and that's what now, I'm thinking. I, like, that's why I said that I really believe that the production is not there yet. We don't have the AR mm -hmm. technology. We don't, you know what I mean? So if you're going to pull the Trump cards, if you're going to, you want to do it when you are absolutely ready to capitalize on it from a spectator's perspective. And I think they're just looking at the raw numbers and continue to look at the raw numbers and try to build a better product that can grow organically. Because once they got that, then they know it's time to turn on the numbers. It's time to bring in the, the, the main, main 
kind of boost, right? Leverage everything. So I'm I'm with you, and I'm kind of with Epic if that's the game plan, because I get that. That's just a form of an investment. You don't want to, yeah, like you said, blow resources or lose your first chance to um, impress, right? We kind of already went through that phase. That second wind is an important one for something like Fortnite. 100%. And uh, what we see in November, the Invitational, that's the start of a second wind. Do you think, do you think this is going to be raw numbers, just whatever happens happens or we get a little inflation in the, up in there i don't think they're going to inflate the numbers at all for the invitational which i think is, is not even a twitch front page them. not even a twitch front page maybe I a twitch so, front yeah. page but but like dude i i i honestly i genuinely believe that it's almost like a pride thing because I, we, I we talked about it behind the scenes right and and now we can talk about it here like we just saw the drop of secret labs getting a chair right it's a fortnite chair it's actually pretty dope looking it's not like a cheesy fortnite chair um but uh the the drop or the exclusive like item that they paired with it for in-game use is a wrap that you can buy from the item shop so like back in the day you could buy a samsung phone and get the galaxy skin and that was the only way you'd get the galaxy skin now you buy a chair and you can get a wrap that costs five dollars in the shop so it's like, mm, like what? How does that even provide extra incentive? Like, just sell the chair as is at that point. Yeah, well, and one thing that we haven't really mentioned is there's no sponsors. Like all other broadcasts have sponsors that they're mm -hmm. plugging during a broadcast. All other esports have a reason to want bigger viewers. And Fortnite, this is obviously just like any other competitive esport, a marketing technique. So if they're not having that secondary goal of we're trying to sell sponsorships to these companies based on what our viewerships are. That is one reason why we may have not seen them inflate that or even say what the legends landing numbers are. Cause to them, it doesn't really matter what the numbers are. This is more just to get people to play the game. I, I think they are bringing sponsors to the game. I think because of how many, Again, we've seen the game change and evolve like throughout the last couple of years. We've seen more compartmentalization between casual and competitive. I think there is a, a recognized need that, okay, both of these things can work in parallel and be successful in parallel. And I think there's an also recognized need that if they want to do things bigger because the players want it bigger, why not bring in sponsors? And, and they've shown off more. They're not hiding esports brands and orgs and all that stuff anymore on broadcast, which is amazing. So there, there might be some, you know, limitations to what partners they decide to work with. But I could see, like, dude, these stadiums alone are literally sponsored by, uh, like, you know, you'll see, like, AT&T or, like, whatever banks, flags yeah. everywhere. Like, mm. it happens. There's no way. There's no way they don't tap into that. I think, I think there was a world where we've seen before where maybe they shied away from it because they were, like, literally too big to fail. But I think we're at a point now, it's a bit more humble, it's a bit more realistic. We we have to tap into these, these sponsors and bring them to the space. Now, does that mean they come to the space and, and the orgs get to benefit from it? Probably not. I think it all goes to production. I think it all goes into the event and the marketing and the continuation of building content, like, you know, uh, biography or documentary style content and the fun stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I can see that's where the resource goes towards. But yeah, I, I don't expect them to shy away from the idea of sponsorships. There's There's... There's really zero reason 
why they should at this point. There, there is I agree. really zero reason. I get before maybe before they were so big, so 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 big and exploding and growing at a pace that they could not, you know, fathom. Like you couldn't put the numbers on when this thing was going to slow down. It finally yeah. has. They've had so much time now to see growth, see where they go, see what impact collaborations do, and things like that. Now's the time to work with sponsors on a competitive level for those broadcasts. Um, but I don't think we actually concluded Reno's post. We did conclude Reno's post. <laughs> that was his last message. His last message was the topic touching on how orgs and their rosters um, basically don't care about Fortnite. It's just a numbers game to them. It's a zero-sum game until Epic or someone else steps up. They will not. So Reno... Thank you so much for the awesome thread. We got to run through that, add so many different layers and, and conversational points off of just that alone. Um, that's where competitive, that's where our pillars in the scene or how they view the scene, I should say, um, uh, kind of have, have a look on the game and also what they want to see come from the game. We've gotten a little bit of everything. We talked about our perspectives last week from a production, from a content, from a fan level. Now you get to see like the esports kind of more business etiquette, more CEO perspective on the, one of those missing pieces of the puzzle there. How do you actually bring in and marry what is the business entities in the space and help them succeed too? Because their success is your success. We need everyone to win here in order for this thing to keep going. So it's definitely crazy, man. Um, but we have other, other fun topics we want to continue to jump in and continue to talk about. So with the, the continued development of Fortnite, we finally have a new meta. We finally, and I say the word finally, and I mean finally. Like the <laughs> game has really not changed. And SVG has probably loved the game not changing. We always talk about that. But I think this change is is well embraced, well needed. It comes at a time of downtime in between our break. Um, as we start to lead into what will be, of course, our invitation or land. Now the real question, SVG, I want to kick it off with. Should the game have changed before the land, or are you okay with the game changing before the land? Ooh, that's a big B question. Because it is a big question. Yeah, so I don't really care what goes on right now, for being honest, because the season's about to end, and we have no idea if we're even going to have anything somewhat resembling what is going on right now next season. Mm -hmm. So do whatever you want in the offseason. Like, by all means, throw in shadow bombs, throw in heavy snipers, like throwing the charge shotgun, do whatever. That, that's cool. I don't care. Um, but when it comes to the, the land, I think what was put into the late game arena loot pool tells me this is kind of like they're testing. What do we want? Come F and CS invitational. Ooh. What do we want the loot pool to okay. look like? What items do we want in or what items do we want to take out? And they're all, they're, you know, Epic loves their tests. They love trying to figure out what's going on. So that is what I think is going on right now. Hopefully this is like a preseason before the preseason to figure out all these different items and whether or not they belong. But yeah, I, I like the change at the end of the season. I, I think it's kept the game interesting, uh, especially for someone like myself, just to enjoy playing the game. That's different than what we've had pretty much all year. And I wanted, I wanted to just jump in there and kind of talk about some of the items being brought to the game because we're, we're throwing the word change around and we're throwing around, obviously, all this new, new, new for you listeners if you haven't picked up the game in quite some time because you were tired of getting melted by only SMG and maybe weren't a fan of just 
you know, whatever options of rifles that were available. It definitely has some new stuff coming to the game. Um, Panda, I'm not sure how much you've played lately as far as uh, competitive level go, but shield bubble, shadow bombs, uh, suppressed weapons. We got a fair amount to work with here. Now, here's the thing. And oh. I think a lot of people are, aren't looking into this as much as they should. There's a huge rumor, you, rumor being the keyword, that okay. next season is a throwback themed season. Now, look at every item they added Wait in the last few second. weeks of the season. They put the pump back in, the charge shotgun back in for late game. You have shield bubbles, shadow bombs. I mean, literally, this spells to me a, a true throwback to what we knew in chapter one. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Nothing is obviously confirmed. But in my eyes, I saw the throwback rumor before we started getting changes to the meta. Now all these meta changes are here, and it just feels very reminiscent of the old Fortnite that we knew and love. So that's why I think some of this stuff is going to be here to stay. I thought you were going to say that they're slowly working their way towards like a World Cup loadout. So by the time the land drops, it's like we we have that meta like round two. It's not the World Could Cup, be. but the meta is kind of there where we got like the scar in the game and the suppressed rifles and the, ballers. The, the shadow bombs and maybe the ballers make its little reappearance. That's kind of interesting. I could see them like in like some way, you know, playing with the irony of like, hey, lands are back and, and they bring back a similar um a similar loadout. What do you think about that, SPG? That, that's a cool one. That's kind of a theory right there. Um, not gonna lie, I would hate that. Because um, ballers, because like it wasn't balanced or what what is well, it? So one, you know, I'm like the competitive purist. I like my things, how <laughs> how I like them. But two, we had all these players qualify, quote unquote, to this right. LAN event based on what we've played this entire year. And then to throw them all a curveball come November, I, I don't know that we would get the best quality of tournament. Yes, they would all be good. It would be an awesome tournament. But I think we would miss out on... These players have been playing this meta for a year now, and they've developed the skills, the ability, the technique, strategy, all that stuff based on what we've been playing. And now to rip that away from them and tell them to play something else would would kind of hurt me. Well, it is it's kind of fair to say that they already they they've already missed that opportunity by not announcing the the land and literally not announcing your performance from this season matters come the invitation we kind of already sort of lost that narrative there are people yeah. that performed up at the very tippity top top performances and didn't get a direct invitation to the finals and i think we saw that across a few regions and across a couple players that were like questioning why they weren't invited based off of their great performance so um unfortunately i like that i and i i think there's a lot of merit in that response but dude i think Fortnite threw that entire thing out the window when they failed to literally just say, hey, if you win this FNCS, you're going to the Invitational, period. You know what I mean? Instead well, of I, leaving it for question and things. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they really care either. It's like, right. you're going to play whatever game we put in front of you, so whether or not you wanted it to have some <laughs> exactly. parallels across the entire season, you got to play this now. And True. like, I'm cool with that, but you know, if we want the optimized competitive tournament, I said what I said. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. They got two months to prepare from the new season launch to the Invitational. I think that's more than enough time 
for them to play around with these adjustments to the game, right? Again, and we're speculating because obviously the new season could come and it could be the same stuff. And we're just, back, we're, we're, I hope we're it does. Just, but it sounds like SPG is like, yes, go back. So we could just have the land on it. <laughs> Not because 100% it makes sense. go back. I know. But something I know. similar, you know, at least have some similarity. I think the problem is the SMG. Just I don't do whatever you want. Take the SMGs out and and give us give us shield bubbles. Maybe take out shadow bombs. They're kind of trippy. They're OP. Like shadow bombs are strong, let's be honest. Uh they're easy to rotate with. There's there's a lot of cons to it as far as the bugs yeah. go, but and there's a lot of pros to just having them use them for rotations. It makes it too easy to rotate. So, um, I mean, like, I'll be honest, I kind of, from a viewership standpoint, watching the chaotic nature of zero build kind of reminds you of the back that Fortnite was built off of, right? In the sense that Fortnite was all those chaotic items. And so it, it's kind of interesting to see how the viewership has dropped in correlation with the fact that that Fortnite competitive is no longer this, or it is now, honestly, more competitive, right? It's kind of interesting. To, it's an interesting argument. I know SPG would hate this argument, but I'm more on the side of chaos versus strictly competitive loop pool. Now, that's not to say, okay, let's put traps, shockwaves, impulses, everything back in the game, but I think there is a there is an argument there to say, like, maybe having some of those more chaotic items in the game create a more entertaining atmosphere for the broadcast i don't disagree with you i think it is entertaining i don't think it has the same competitive integrity constantly that's changing the big that. thing yeah and i'll die on this horse um whether or not people find the game boring but i'd rather it be boring and have a solid competitive integrity than based on who gets what drop spot and who gets to dominate based on the weapons of that drop spot so i I also wouldn't mind a slight meta shift, but a massive one, I think, would even further push the EU players above everyone else because they have the practice. And we're going to see, like, cash cups, which are not even close to representative of what this Invitational is going to be unless there's enough in CS thrown in here. So really only EU and maybe a couple of other regions will have, like, some secondary practice but they will only be able to take advantage of the new things, whereas everyone else is trying to play catch-up and learn them on the fly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually, the fact that the European region in particular has that competitive regime kind of round clock right now, and it's very good. So if a meta changes, yeah, they're going to excel. They're going to excel a lot faster, and there's a real likelihood they leave all the most of the NA players behind. Obviously, the freakishly natural uh, gamers are going to rise to the top, but for the most part, most regions will get dumpstered on. If you're not practicing at the highest <laughs> levels, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so I guess that kind of answers the questions of what the offseason should look like in Fortnite. Maybe we leave the offseason for some changes. You have some fun. We could kind of tweak it, et cetera. But as we start getting more, back into more of the competitive season, if you will, we want to fine tune it, cut the fat, get more to what is a, a regular type of experience. Um, and then maybe even sprinkle in some new stuff. Do you think the pump shotgun, like the regular pump shotgun, returning to the game is too far from what would be a meta shift or is that more of like a quality of life expectation from the players everyone embrace it and it's it's good enough to pick up and, and roll with i think it's essentially an easier to use striker pump yeah so i don't think it's like much different but i i think the striker striker pump is the best version of a pump shotgun we've ever had 
and it's just way too easy to hit massive shots with the the regular pump shotgun um so i would prefer the striker pump but i also don't think in its current state because it does the exact same amount of damage just less or a larger spread but more damage per bullet i believe is what it is so yeah. it's like just the easier version so I, I i wouldn't mind and it does give that nostalgic feeling which probably say, would get people back i was gonna say don't uh, forget it sounds different and it looks og so that that sometimes is all you need because a lot of these weapons are just slightly adjusted reskin versions of something you probably played with and just sounds different so that is that is pretty funny look and just the final nail in the coffin here could you imagine they bring back a whole og season 10 loadout with all the old sounds and like old animations and old look to the gun like i think that would just be like you already have all these people coming back you got tifu all these creators coming back stepping in because of zero build imagine you add what feels like that og nostalgic feeling you're gonna see a massive bump in content you're gonna see a massive bump and there's so much that they can do with it I, now i think they just need the ar mm-hmm and I'm yeah. talking about the regular era. I think it sounds I cool. Love, it feels good. The different rarities. It, it, it's dope. I love playing with that in um, late game. That is actually mm -hmm. so much fun to like get back into your hands. Because even just holding that provides that nostalgic feeling yeah. of like, oh, this is not a dot site. I don't have to use the AUG <laughs> every time. This is nice. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that's going to make a big difference. Um, yeah, Penn, I don't know where you heard or, or saw the that theory uh, or that idea, but... I, I sounds very much spot on the uh, spot on for where the game's heading, especially in lead up to what could be a land, just so that they can have some of that resemblance of uh, of what once was to be appealing. Yeah, yeah, it would be super sick. I mean, we just got an announcement literally as we're we're talking right now for Fortnite status, saying that the update comes out tomorrow. So that's the last update of the season before the season shifts over. I believe on the seventeenth. Okay. Um, so we're, we're rapidly reaching the end of the season. So, uh, all of these, these now theories could either be fact or cap here in a few weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds, but like, man, just imagine. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely some cool stuff. A couple other topics before we start wrapping up this episode, we're going to get out of here shortly. It's been a long one. Um, creative 2.0, as we know, has basically been in the works is something that's been hinted at. And something that we said or saw from at least Epic and some of the higher upside that it will be implemented into the game sometime soon. Um, and just talking about late game arena, talking about the nostalgic loadouts and stuff. It seems like late game arena was hosted on the creative lobbies. No, actually what it is hosted in the creative realm. And that has come with its own pros and cons. The cons mostly being that the functionality of a few things that you know from the regular game are not in the zero or the late game arena which is mostly the no reboots and no double revives. So these are these are mechanics that are in the regular game, but they don't exist in the creative universe that build out. But this is almost like a test to show where creative is going and what it's capable of. The fact that the regular world, all of its assets and its entire entirety essentially is accessible in creative, shown obviously via late game arena, um, also leads to the idea of what could be the potential to be able to tweak all those numbers and settings, which can lead to like some of the best tournaments, crazy ideas, and really just open up the landscape for like people that understand creative building this very unique world and hosting competitions in that unique world, which to me is like 
Yes, let's tweak the zone. Let's tweak the movement. Let's let's actually let the community put competitive in the community's hands and allow them to tweak the game. Well, and in this update, it allowed regular creative maps to host 60 people. So not only did we have this late game arena, but we also had this massive update to creative to get that larger player base within a single map. Right. And I I had the uh privilege to talk to Don Wazi. He created the the Scavix aim trainer and he was telling me there's this new device that's like a a level changer. So instead of having to like create everything within one map and take up all that memory within creative Fortnite, which is a lot of what holds back uh, map creators is running out of memory. You can then have this level. Uh, you can like build one level, then save it within this device and not have it take up all that memory and then trigger that level at certain times, maybe a certain round. Wow. So instead of it being like everything, because if you played like a zone wars and it switches POIs or a one V one realistic, something like that, all of that is actually just in one area. And then it just spawns you in different locations, mm -hmm. but this would literally be different maps, builds, whatever it may be that are being changed in and out because of this device and not taking off a ton of memory, which then gives so much more room to those creators within creative yeah, and yeah that, that that's where i mean panda it's gonna it's gonna jump up it's gonna change and i always said it creative is the future of fortnite like th yeah. that's that's where the game's gonna go eventually yeah honestly listen if fortnite wants to do something crazy challenge valorant i, I keep saying this make what a five challenge him first oh, person okay. like and create a, a completely <laughs> different competitive track for a a shooter style first person uh like i i genuinely believe like it, fortnite could if they wanted to take the game of fortnite and create five different competitive ecosystems right you have the br you have like a creative ecosystem a creative comp ecosystem you have a 5v5 maybe even a 4v4 you could even go to the lengths of creating like like when you think of like ooh what is a uh, like, like you could create an MMO out of Fortnite. Oh, for sure. They, they have the players, or the, mm -hmm. they have enough characters, I should say. You know what the funny thing is? It looked like they were creating that back in the day, like a year and a half ago. It looked like that was something they were working on. I don't know if it got scrapped or maybe they're just taking well, their time with it. But like, there's that would some be there's sick. some creative worlds in the game right now that are like MMOs. You you harvest material that transfer from server to server and you have experience in the game, like wood cutting experience. And so yeah. like creative, literally give it enough time, give it enough tools and functionality. There will be some amazing spinoffs. Um, but to your point about different game modes, competitive changing as we know it as a whole across the board, the fact that zero build was a success, removing what was once the core success identity of Fortnite building um removing that and it being more popular now amongst casuals than it was ever before is a sign that fortnite can take the game anywhere and as long as it's good it will be good because people love fortnite but um yeah. that's our episode today we have talked about a lot there was this one crazy headliner i think we'll save this for the practice makes perfect podcast so if you guys like listening to random twitch topics crazy stuff that happens across gaming at whole um, Twitch is removing host mode starting October 3rd. This is a crazy, crazy, crazy development for Twitch. It's a 
it's one that will open a lot of discussions on the timeline so i'm looking forward to seeing what other creators think about that but with that this episode has been long enough we got to finish the conversation like we promised and of course jumped into more of the changes uh about the meta and of course leading into where the game's going so this is very very cool um panda i'm gonna let you sign off first as usual let the people at home know where they can find you man you can find me on tiktok.com slash life w panda posting tiktoks pretty much every day um i'm changing the content i was doing a lot of casting content and i want to continue to do that but i'm going to blend in some new things also the first youtube video should be out friday little yes. hint it's on a certain player who uh has a great story and is probably the king of chapter three so if that's any indication on who that player is going to be you'll see but I decided to take it in my own hands and start sh uh, showcasing and, and uh, putting a spotlight on these players and especially the ones that don't necessarily have the spotlight heading into the Invitational. So expect nice. to see some of that content on YouTube. It'll also be broken down into TikTok and stuff. So youtube.com slash life with Panda. It's actually the full thing. And then Twitter, life w Panda. All right, sick. And SVG, my boy, let the people at home know where they can find you, man. Love that. Looking forward to whatever you drop Friday, Panda. Um, I'm pretty much doing my own podcast, talking to people, just had Monster D-Face on there. That was fun. Yes, got a chat, learn a little bit about his history. We got a cool one coming up, got Vivid up there and mm -hmm. got to learn what it was like being a day one player and all the craziness he went through. So those will be coming up. The FN story, you can find me, Somebody's Gun, pretty much just on Twitter and YouTube. And that's what I got going on. One more thing before we sign off. Uh, I'm just going to say it on Thursday, you're going to want to make sure you're following Twitter socials and twitch.tv forward slash life with Panda. We have episode zero of the unnamed in-person podcast. Oh, okay, okay. Every You guys are hearing it first. I like right that. SBG and myself, episode zero. Okay. We have no clue, no context to what we're going to talk about. We're going to sit down on this here couch behind me. And we're going to have a good conversation about esports, life, Fortnite, whatever the case may be. So you definitely want to tune in. It's going to be a, a blast. So uh, we'll, we'll get more uh, reminds information. Me, reminds me of our scuffed hotel stream, but it's going to be so much better. Yeah. <laughs> with, with that being said, that's an episode that you guys never got to listen to. So maybe one day we'll release that as a special somewhere. <laughs> um, with that, guys, thank you so much for tuning in today's episode. I hope you, hope you all enjoyed this one here. Uh, safe travels have a great time we'll see you guys on the next episode should be recording something this sunday for our other podcast so plenty of content for you guys you hear the boys they're working on some cool stuff too so make sure y'all continue to uh yeah get your fix but with that don't forget to send all your complaints to me at the fortnite podcast at gmail.com and uh i'll see you guys on that battle bus so until next time don't forget to dance out those kills and boast those victory else peace y'all <laughs>